Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Because God has invited us to a table. He's invited us to a banquet, a, a place of... Of where we can sit down with him and the Father, we can sit down and just enjoy his presence. That's, that's the Christian life. He has invited us into this banquet. And it comes from this parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 22. He said this, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls and fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy those murderers and burn their town. He said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of honor. Now go into the streets, go into the corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. And he said, friend, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. And the king said to his aides, bind his hands and his feet, throw him out of the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, Jesus told this parable to some Pharisees because God had invited them into this beautiful relationship with them. And these religious leaders at the time, they just kept putting it off. God would send prophets to tell about the goodness of God and turn and repent to him. But what would happen is the people of God, the religious leaders, would kill the prophets. Every time Jesus, God would send a servant to tell them, come to the feast, it's prepared, it's ready for you, they would kill the messengers. Those are the prophets. That's what this is talking about. And Jesus was getting on to these people, getting on to these religious leaders, saying, God wants you in his presence. He wants to, to invite you into this beautiful relationship with him. But you're too busy. You got too many things going on. You 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 got to take care of this. You got to take care of that. You got so many excuses why you can't come. You even kill the people that God sends you. And so this is what he's going to do. He's going to send people out. He's going to send other prophets and other other. He's going to send the servants. These are the disciples of Jesus. He's sending them out to invite them to the table. He's saying. Wherever you are, go into the highways, go to the byways, invite everyone to come, the good and the bad alike. Have them come to the table of the Lord. Jesus is inviting us to his table. When Jesus invites you to follow him, when he calls you and he he says, come follow me, he's not just inviting you into uh, 
a new address like we talked about last week. He's not just taking you out of hell and, and sticking you in heaven. He's not changing your address. He's changing your whole persona. He's changing everything about you. He, he's, he's giving you a, a new position, not just a new address, a new position in him. And, and so Jesus is getting on to these Pharisees about this because they're not understanding what Jesus, what God wants to do in their life. And I think so, so many of us, and this is the whole reason behind this whole series, that we're wrapping up an Easter, so many of us don't quite understand or comprehend all that God wants to do for us and what that call looks like. When Jesus called us to follow him, what he really meant. We just take our ticket to heaven and call it good. And then we do the best we can do, right? We go to church, we read our Bible, we do our devotions. We do all these things that we think are going to bring us closer to God, but we're already as close as we're going to get. The problem is we don't understand that. We don't know that God has already prepared the table. We don't have to do anything. We just got to show up and sit down. And so many of us are just doing other things. And we don't know why we can't quite connect with God. There's a distraction. There's an obstacle that keeps us from really sitting down with God and having that intimate moment with him. Me and my wife love to go eat out. And we went to this restaurant, I will not name, but it has... They cook steaks, and they like Australia, so that's, that's kind of the name of the place. But we were sitting down. Uh, we were sitting down in the outback. has nothing to do with the, the place. But we were sitting down, and we're, we're ordering. We're looking at the menus, and we're looking at the menus, and, and I'm trying to carry on this conversation with Debbie. And, I'm try, and while I'm carrying on, I caught something out of the corner of my eye on the wall. And I'm trying not to, like, give it, like, make her know that there's anything weird because, you know, I'm there, me and my wife, we want to have, you know, we're trying to have this intimate time at the meal table and just get to connect and and to share with each other. And I just keep this thing, keep crawling around. And I'm like, if it comes near here, oh my gosh. And it's it's crawling on the wall and it's going back behind and it gets on the table and I'm, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." just talking to her, looking at it. mm -hmm." And she's like, what? I'm like, no, nothing. It's all good. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Nothing, nothing's, nothing's wrong. And she's like, is it a bug? I'm like, yeah, I think so. She goes, what kind? I'm like, uh, it's, it's just a regular bug. Don't worry about it. It's a, it was a, I mean, this roach was like that big. And uh, it was gone on the wall. And I'm just trying to play it cool, you know, because I don't want her freaking out and screaming in the middle of the restaurant. And I'm like, maybe I can like squish it without her notice. So I like, get the plate and just can squish it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and she's like, is, is it a bug? I'm like, yeah. She goes, what kind? I was like, it's, it's a roach. She's like, what? I'm like, just calm, calm down. Calm down. It ruined our dinner. That one little bug ruined our dinner. That one little thing ruined our dinner. And now luckily we got to sit. Uh, the waiter came by. I'm like, hey, I uh, just want you to know there's something crawling on the wall over here. And um, he's like, well, I can move you over here. I'm like, if it's in that wall, there's more in that wall. No, I'm not sitting in that same spot where his brothers and sisters live. And so they sat me in another spot of the, of the restaurant. We, it, we found, it was, now it's a funny memory. But... That roach kept me from really enjoying that moment because there was a deep connection going on in that moment when I saw the bug. See, there's always this obstacle to our relationship with God so many times, whether it's just our lives. We get so busy that we just never really understand uh, that connection that God wants with us because here's the thing, guys. This this is our life right here. It's a mess. I mean, this, this is our life. This is... This is what our relationship with God even looks like sometimes. We come to God with our mess, 
We're like, God, here's my mess. See you later. I'll see you next week. And we walk off. And then we come back again Sunday and we're like, God, here's my mess. You cleaned it up for a second. Thank God. All right, we're good. We, and we, every week we come back and guess what? There's still another mess to hand off to God and our lives are still messy and our table's still a wreck because we haven't let God really do what he wants to do and, and realize that our position with God is this position of, of sonship, a position that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a son or I'm a daughter of God and I have the right to sit at a clean table. And, and so many of us think that well, my table's always dirty, and, and I, can't, I can't get to God because there's so much junk in my life, and, and I don't know how to get past it. And God's just saying, would you stop picking up the junk? Just stop picking it up. You're giving it to me, but you keep picking it up. Well, how do we do that? How do we stop picking up the junk and putting it on the table? Because you know what? At home, we clean the table every week, and by Tuesday, this is pretty much my table. I just brought. And you're like, oh, my gosh, pastor is a pig. <laughs> But no, we're busy people. And so our, our lives look like this, and our relationship with God looks like this, and our relationship with our family looks like this, and our relationship with our children look like this, and our relationship with our spouses look like this. And we wonder why there's no connection in those things, because we're not allowing God to really clean our table and sit at his table. We're trying to set our own table. Jesus wants us to sit at a clean table. He wants to move us to a new place. I'm going to talk to you today about Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, 32, or verse 12. Sorry, if you have it, you can turn to it. This is a story about Jesus clearing the tables. Clears the temple. Now, how many of you know that we are the temple of the Holy God? Our lives, right? Our, our, our Jesus resides in us. The Spirit resides in us. And Scripture very cleanly tells us that we are now the temple's of the living God. And Jesus, he rides into town. It's Palm Sunday. Now, other accounts have him on, Mon on the next day, on Monday. But either it was Sunday or Monday, it doesn't matter. God's, Jesus still did this. And so Jesus enters the town. They're praising him. They're worshiping him. They're, they're so glad that he arrived. You know, they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save us, save us. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus gets off his donkey, goes into the temple, and then starts doing something very unexpected. Something you wouldn't think gentle, sweet, beautiful Jesus would do. He enters the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Jesus walks in and he sees this activity going on and it angers him. It makes him mad. See, when Jesus walked in and started tossing tables, it fulfilled a passage of scripture that says that zeal for my house will consume me. Jesus cares much deeply about our relationship with the Father. And as he entered into this court of the Gentiles, I'm going to give you a little historical background here. When Jesus walked into the temple, there's this first, I think I have a picture maybe. He, there's, there's, there's different portions of the temple. And so here's the, here's the old model temple. This is Herod's temple. And, and, uh, and so this big area outside is the court of the Gentiles. This is where they were set up. I mean, it's the biggest part of 
the temple, so it just makes sense to set a shop up there, right? But this was reserved for Gentile people. This was reserved for people to come and to pray and to worship God that were not Jews. These were God-fearing people. They were not allowed any deeper into the temple. They were not allowed any deeper into God's presence. They were just allowed to stay on the outside hinges and just get what God gives them. And so in this court, anybody can be there. Jews, Gentiles, women, they can be there. The only people that couldn't really come in there were the sick and the lame because they were, you know, they were sick and lame, so they didn't want them in there. And so Jesus steps in and he he sees these money changers. He sees all the action. He sees what they're doing. And, and what would happen is that people would travel a great distance to come and worship God at the temple. And so they couldn't carry all these animals with them to go sacrifice. They had to sacrifice sheep or pigeons. Or if you can't afford a sheep, then you'd have to buy a pigeon to sacrifice for your sins. And, and so what they would do is they would just bring their money to the temple. And when they get to the temple, the money changers are there. They're, they're exchanging Roman money for temple money. Because you can't have anything, you know, they didn't want the emperor's inscription going past the holy place. And so they would change the money over and they would sell them doves to go or pigeons to go into sacrifice. The problem was this. Historians think and theologians think that they were not being fair in their weights. They were taking advantage of the people. Uh, Inflation, you know, there's a war going on in uh, Italy and so... Sorry, your gas prices are so high. You know, they're doing all these things that were, you know, that are kind of, that hurt or something? I mean, nobody said anything. (laughs) They had all these excuses why, you know, inflation rates and all this stuff. And so they would cheat the people of of the money. Therefore, they'd had to buy these, uh, these, these animals that really weren't in the greatest condition. You're supposed to bring spotless things to God. You're supposed to bring good things to God. And they thought maybe they were even selling things that weren't really, fit for worship. And they were taking advantage of these people. It was an obstacle for them to get to God. And not only that, they were doing it right in the middle of the place where Gentiles and women were praying, a place where they came to meet with God. And all they hear is sheep wailing and pigeons cooing and money changing and people screaming, saying, you cheated me, all these things going on. And it's keeping them from really coming and connecting with the father. And so no wonder Jesus is so angry. I mean, he comes in and he's like, these people are trying to reach my father and they can't because of what these guys are doing, of what these people are doing. There's obstacles in the way of, what, of, of them meeting with me. And so Jesus does what he does. He flips the tables. He cleans the place. He beats people and runs them out. Other, trans, other, other stories in the Bible says he fashioned a whip and he chased people out with a whip. Can you imagine that scene? Going in there and seeing Jesus driving people out with a whip, flipping over tables, tossing coins everywhere. And then he just, like, when he's done, just sits over here and starts preaching, teaching, and healing people like nothing ever happened. (laughs) See, Jesus cares deeply about our relationship with the Father. That's why he came. He came so that we may sit at his table with unhindered uh, obstacles, without things hindering us from coming to to him and, and see, this is a great reflection of how it is for us, this temple, this clearing of the temple. Because as we come into church, and, I, and this is even at home, this is, this is wherever you pray or try to meet with God, there's always distractions, right? There's always that roach crawling around where you can't really meet with God, but there's always this distraction. Maybe it's work, maybe it's things going on, 
Maybe it's your three-year-old kid that's driving you crazy, you know? I, I get it. There's th- there's a, I'm not saying get rid of your children, but, but there's things that always distract you. There's, there's obstacles to really meeting with God, right? But here's the greatest obstacles that, 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 help, that keep us from meeting with God. It's the junk in our lives. It's the feeling of insignificance. It's the feeling of unworthiness. It, it, it's, it's keeping our eyes on other people and how they're worshiping God and saying, man, I want to be like that person. I wish I could pray like them. I wish I could worship like them. I wish I could sing like Christian. And I wish I could play piano. I wish I could do all these things. And, and you miss your opportunity to meet with God because you're looking at other people for your relationship with God. There's, there's things on your table. There's things in your life that keep you from really meeting with the Father. There's, there's these obstacles. There's this junk in your life that you can't seem to get rid of. People come to church to meet with God, and they walk in. The first thing you think is, look at all these hypocrites. Look at all these people. There's no way these people are this happy. There's no way. They walk in. They go, oh, they got drums. That's the Lord's beat. It can't be in. That's the devil's beat. can't be in there. They come in with their religious attitudes. They come in with reasons not to worship. Believe. I was the guy when I first started coming here. It was kicking and screaming. My wife prayed and asked God to help me come, and she kept beating me down until I finally came. And I came and I sat down. I was like, I hate that pastor. I hate that preacher. I can't stand him. (laughs) We have these obstacles, right? We have these things that we look at instead of looking at God. Music's too loud. Music's too long. Preacher don't preach right. You know, he's not a yelly preacher. He's not a shouty preacher. He's too quiet. And so we, we come to church and we come to God with all these things that we think have to line up right. These are the money changes in our lives. These are the obstacles to our worship. And, we, and the, the biggest thing, the biggest thief, come on, because these, these money changes were thieves. The biggest thief in our, in our relationship with God is that we're looking at what's on the table instead of looking at who's, on, who's, who's, who's sitting at the table. We come to church and we look at all the things, but we forget about why we came in the first place. When we pray, God, when we go home and we pray, we, we sit down and we pray and like, God, give us today all of the stuff I need. And then you go about your business. And, and you forget about who's there. <laughs> you forget about why you even entered into the presence of God in the first place. And when you pray, you're like, God, thank you. My father who is in heaven, holy is your name. When Jesus gave us that prayer, that model, that's why he started with that. He didn't start with, God, give me all the stuff I need for the day. He started with this. My Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, it's all about him. It's all about us. It's all about us meeting with God in that intimate moment. And nothing, nothing relates better to that than a table with food set on it. When I meet with people over a meal, there's a connection. It's a deeper connection than playing a, playing a video game or playing uh, chess or doing any kind of board game or just sitting around the table, you know, just sitting around the couch. When I'm eating with somebody, there's a, there's a face-to-face connection. 
And God wants that from you. Maybe you didn't understand, maybe you don't know that, but God wants that face-to-face connection with you. And so when he invites us to the table, that's what he's saying. I'm I'm inviting you to a place to meet me face-to-face. Come eat with me. Come dine with me. Come, come, Come to me and let me just heal you in my presence. But the problem is, is, is we have all this stuff. And, and here's the biggest problem. We come to God and we say, okay, God, get rid of this. Okay, I, th- I can kind of see you now. So yeah, we're good. But we still have obstacles. We still have stuff. And so we come back, but it's again, it's back again, right? It's, it's because we're dealing with the same sins. We're dealing with the same things. We're, we're dealing with the thing week after week that we ask God to take. But then we come back and it's on our table again. We're like, how many pizza boxes can you have? <laughs> Who ate pizza again in my house? And why is there no pizza in it? That's the question. <laughs> See, the problem is we're trying to clean our table. But we're the ones dirtying it up. See, it's not our job to clean our spiritual table. That's God's job. He does that. Jesus came into the temple. He, I'm not going to toss this, but he tossed over the tables, right? He cleaned the table. He cleaned the slate. He says, this is a house of prayer for all nations. I'm removing all the obstacles for people to come to me. And then he sits up and he starts healing. And he starts teaching. See, see, here's the spiritual beauty of this. Go ahead, is that, okay, here's the spiritual beauty of what God did. These Gentiles, these women, they were not allowed into the holiest place of God. Only the priests were allowed to come face to face with God in the Holy of Holies. And they had to make sure they were perfectly clean, perfectly perfect before they could walk into the presence of God or they would die. And so they did all these religious washings. They did all this religious activity. They did all the mantras. They did all the sacrifices. They did all these things so that they can enter into the presence of God. And it was good for that day. And the next day, they had to do all the things over and over and over and to enter the presence of God. And here's the beauty of what happened when Jesus walked into the temple. While all these priests were doing all this religious activity, they were sacrificing animals, they were doing all the cleansing rituals, they were doing all the things that they were supposed to do to get into the presence of God, God's presence was right there in the court of the Gentiles. Where nobody, where only, right, where, where everybody was where everybody was. Because the next court in is the court of the women. Women could only go so far. They couldn't get into the face of God. And then the next one in was just common Jewish folk, common Jewish men. And then the next one in was the Holy of Holies where only the priests could enter. Jesus came to flip the whole system on its head. You didn't have to do all these things to get to God because God did all these things to get to us. Jesus did all these things to come. He did the cleansing. He was a sacrifice. He did all the things so that we can come boldly into the throne room of God. Hebrews 10, man, such a good passage. So good, so deep. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there to Hebrews chapter 10. I have it up there, I think. Paul's the writer of Hebrews, is, is reminding the people of what Jesus has done. Started on verse 8. He says, first, Christ said to you, you did not want an animal sacrifice or sin offering, a burnt offering or other th- offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, 
Though they were required by the law of Moses, then he said, look, I've come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Christ Jesus once for all time. Once for all time. When Christ sacrificed for us, when he died for us, it's once for all time. He doesn't have to keep getting back on the cross. He doesn't have to keep doing it over and over because it's done. It's not what we do. It's what he's done. That's what he's saying. He was under the old covenant. The priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again and again and again. It should be in there again and again, which can never, ever take away our sins. All it did was cover it up. You're good until you have a bad thought again, then come back. Guess what? As soon as we enter out the door, man, we come back in. We never insert service. And then he says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers for the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which never can take away sins. But our high priest, this is Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Do you get that? I don't think you get that. Because that's not how we act. That's not how we operate. Is it? We don't, we don't operate like that. We don't operate that what Jesus did for us is good for all time. We don't operate in, that, in the fact that Jesus has set the table for us and now all we got to do is sit down. We don't operate that way. And I hope you understand that what Jesus does and what he's done, it's for all time. It's for good. Then... He sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. He sat at the table. And there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with the people of my day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Never again remember their sins or their lawless deeds. What does that mean? Never again remember. It's not like God's like, oh, I don't know. You did that? I don't remember that. He chooses to look past it. He chooses to look past it because he's looking at Jesus. He don't remember your sins. He doesn't hold those things against you. The table is clean and clear, but yet we keep setting our sin back on the table saying, oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, forgive me. And he's saying, look, it's clean. Just sit down. Sit down, son. Sit down, daughter. Sit with me. Dine with me. Let's have a relationship. And guess what? That stuff will be cleared off. That stuff will take care of itself. 
See, we're so sin-driven, guys. Right? If I can just not sin, maybe I'll be closer to God. We're so sin-driven. We need to be Christ-driven. The problem is we look at our sins and we think we're so far from God, but when we, we ought to look at God and say, man, I'm so far from my sins. And yet the guilt and the shame and the dirt and all the stuff just sits on the table and that's all we look at. And we don't look at who's the table, who's at the table. And that's our Father in heaven. It gets better. And when sins have been forgiven... There is no need to offer any more sacrifice. No need. It's done. It's forever. Christopher, I can go and get you a Marjorie up for the song. And yet we come to God, don't we? I'll never do that again, God. Oh, am I the only one that had that conversation with God? God, I promise I'll, I'll never look at that again. God, I'll never pick up that bottle again. God, I'll never treat my wife that way again. I'll never treat my kids that way again. I'll never do that at work again. But guess what? It happens again. Because we're sin-driven instead of Christ-driven. And you don't understand what Christ has already done for you. Because you know what? I may slip up again. But I don't look at that. I look to Jesus. When I sit at the table, I don't look at my junk I look at him who's sitting there. And this is what Jesus does. He walks up and he's like, I'm going to clear that off for you. Don't worry about it. I got it. It's clean. It's clear. Here's a beautiful table for you to sit down. He, he cleanses the table. He clears your temple. He clears the things in your life. Because this is what Jesus does when he rides in your life. He does that. He clears your temple. He cleans it up. He's saying, I'm making room for me. That doesn't belong there anymore. But he doesn't stop there. He sets the table. You know what Jesus did when he came? He took the altar that we sacrificed animals on day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, century after century. He took that altar. He laid himself on it. His sacrifice was once and free up for all. And that altar became a table. Jesus took the altar and made it a table for us to sit at.